0: This week, we've got
1: a great message from two people we love a lot, and uh, I love them even more because of my relationship to them. And
0: so, in Africa, Allison uh, preached an amazing message on parenting. As a matter of fact, it was so powerful that churches were inviting her all trip long. Please come back. When can you come back? We want you to uh, preach that message at our church. And so, um, we're going
1: to hear a message called The Lasting Impact of Parenting, and it's going to be delivered by our very own uh, Caleb and Allison Schaefer. So let's welcome them as they come to preach the word to us today. Good morning. I, I wrangled my sidekick to come help me this morning. So, oh. Okay, I just have to tell you a little bit about me because this will just like... Okay, so last week, Pastor Tammy was talking about how she, like, has to practice, practice, practice. Dwight's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I told Caleb, I have a little Dwight and a little Tammy on my shoulder because I walk around in the constant struggle of, oh, my gosh, I haven't practiced, I haven't read over it, I haven't prayed enough, and then I have a little Dwight on my shoulder, like, yeah, hey, it'll be fine. So it's like I'm constantly, like, in this tug of, pull or tug of war, and Caleb's like, look, you're so much like your mom. I can't handle you being, like, your dad. <laughs> Just let it go. Let it go. Oh, so I am just so honored that Pastor Dwight and Tammy would, uh, and Pastor Caleb would share their pulpit with me. Um, Also in Africa, when I got to preach this, I had about two hours. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to do this in like 40 minutes. So Jesus, give us grace. Um, But we're going to talk to you about the lasting impact of parenting. Um, the truth is, as us as parents and Caleb and I from the get-go are like, we are up here in the midst of this parenting journey. So like we are in this together. So when we say parents, I'm talking to myself and Caleb as well. So um, the truth is that what we do as parents um, when we parent our kids is going to last for generations to come. And so as we talk about the lasting impact of parenting, we just want to preference two reasons on why it's important that we kind of shift our focus as to why parenting is important and how important and how impactful it can and is. Um, Number one is our parenting is a calling from God, not an obligation. Our parenting is an opportunity to demonstrate our faithfulness to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to hear good job, good and faithful servant, well done when I get to heaven when it pertains to my parenting, right? Like we all try to do our best, um, and, or at least, you know, we should try to do our best, but anyway. <laughs> um, Pastor Dwight and Tammy kind of opened with this two weeks ago, Genesis 1, 27 through 28, and it says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. And they were talking about marriage and God's design for oneness and what that looks like. And it kind of goes on to say, and he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. See, God blessed Adam and Eve to be parents. He intended for them to become parents and for it to be a blessing from God. It was God's joy to see them be able to be parents. He understood what it was what it felt like to create something, to reproduce, and to, um, to, to just watch them grow and watch it flourish. It's like you talk about all the days of creation at the end. It's like God said it was good. Like he loved getting to see creation. And so he wanted to extend that to us as his children that we could get to create a miracle and get to create kids and watch them um, grow and flourish. And it, it was God's joy to bless us with that. Psalms 127.3 says, children are God's love gift. They are heaven's generous reward. Here's the problem, though, is if we treat our parenting like an obligation or something we have to do, we, get, we miss God's heart for it. Yeah, See, God never intended parenting to be stressful and to be an obligation. He meant for it to be a blessing and a joy. It's a calling. Our parenting is a calling. And Adam and Eve got to respond to that calling. They got to be obedient to God's command that said, be fruitful and multiply. See, when you, when you grasp that, that that's a command, and you participate in it, we always like to say we're worshiping. That's a whole nother series. <laughs> because that's what God calls us. And when you're obedient to God, it's an act of worship. But amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> um. But when we get to be obedient to God and we get to be fruitful and multiply, that's a byproduct of us being obedient to God of being fruitful and multiply. One of the things that God wanted us to experience in parenting is his nature in a greater way. Because he himself is a parent. So I want you to just grasp that parenting is a calling. It's not an obligation.
0: The second reason why we need to understand the, the, you know, importance of parenting and the impact of it is because this is a sobering thought, but we cannot control the impact of our decisions as parents and, and the impact that they will have on our children and how long they will be affected by them. And I think that's a sobering thought that we have to consider, that in the moments of our lives, in the day-to-day, you know, uh, role that we have as parents, we We have to be mindful that we can't control the impact and the effect it will have on our kids. And so Colossians 3.21 in the Amplified Version, it says this. It says, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so that they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. You know, as adults, I think that as we grow and as we mature, we're able to handle things differently. But when you're dealing with little kids, there is a sensitivity level that they have that we need to be sensitive to. And it's a sobering thought to consider that something that we may be able to receive from someone else, that, that we could handle because we're adults, if we do that same thing or treat our children the same way, we could break a spirit, and we cannot control how long that will affect them. Right. And so it's really sobering to consider that what we really do matters, what we say matters, to, to not only to a God, God, because like Allison said, we will be accountable to him. And we will want, to, our, our heart's desire is to be able to stand before him and say, and, and be able to receive from him, well done, good and faithful parent. Amen. But with all of that being said, there is a weight of responsibility on our shoulders as parents to be mindful that we cannot control how our kids will take what we say, what we do, and how long it impacts and affects them. And so it's, it's, it's you know, important for that. There's a, there a movie called Gladiator. And there's a line in it that says this, what you do in life echoes in eternity. And in the same way, the decisions we make as a parent will echo through the lives of our children long after the decision was made, long after, we can't control that. And so that's the sobering part of it. In 1855, Frederick Douglass had a series of conversations with white slave owners who could not or would not comprehend why slavery was morally wrong. And it was in these conversations that he said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. The reason why he was saying that was he was speaking to men that had been broken by an ideology that was justifying slavery. And he was speaking to them saying, look, if you would have had parents that would have developed you as strong Men who interpreted Scripture correctly, that would have been way much easier than to deal with an adult that has been broken by by the rearing of their parents. It's a sobering thought, but it's true. In the day-to-day moments as parents, there are choices that we can make that will affect our children long after they are made, and we cannot control how long they are impacted. And in so, it is because of that impact that are in our parenting that we must commit. Our parenting to the Lord. Because we know in Proverbs, Scripture says that if you commit your plans to the Lord, you will succeed. It's a promise of Scripture. And parenting is no different. Let's commit our parenting to the Lord so that we will have success in that area. Though we cannot control how everything we do will impact our children, we can reduce the mistakes we make with parenting wisdom directly from the Holy Spirit. And so it's so important.
1: Kind of off of that, we we say in our house that we have pre-choice choices in the sense that, like, we choose before a situation occurs how we're going to react. I mean, that's our goal. Like, if our kids are screaming, hopefully my pre-choice is to take a deep breath and respond in a way that would bring honor to God. I mean, let's be honest, that doesn't always happen. But it's like when we can really grasp the the thought that, like, what we say and do is really going to impact our kids— It's like, just take a minute, calm down, and then respond in a way that is honoring to God versus just lashing out in anger. Like, you know, the scripture that is, like, always constantly in my head. And whether it just be the age of my kids or my personal personality, like, a soft answer turns away wrath. Like, that is, like, I'm always, like, trying to make that a choice before a situation occurs. So when it happens, what comes out of me, hopefully, is a soft answer that turns away wrath. So... Before we move any further, and, you know, you can feel the weight of parenting. It can be so overwhelming that I don't want us to just feel like, oh, my gosh, this is too big. This is impossible. Like, the best thing about parenting as a Christian is that we are not without hope. We're not without help. We're not without the helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us, to help us, to um, give us insight and give us wisdom. Um, I have a picture of our clan up here. And... uh, all of our kids are so incredibly different, so different. It's not possible to understand them without the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I know the same is true for, for your kids. I say to Caleb all the time, I'm like, how are they so different when they came from me and you? Like, how can they be so different? Like, there's just two of us, and yet the, the vastness of our children are so different. And that's okay because I love when, we, when you think about this. Like, we're made in the image of God. And when we start to like really grasp that like our kids have a little bit of DNA from heaven in them, we will start to look at them differently. Like there's a piece of God in our kids. You know, maybe you won't yell at them when they're irritating you. Maybe it's the the part of God in them that you don't totally understand. And that's when I'm on my knees. It's like, there's none for me but Jesus. Like I sing that all the time as a parent. I'm like, Jesus, you know, but like Thank God that we don't have to do this alone. Thank God that the Holy Spirit understands aspects of God that he can relate and give them to us. That we, we when we ask for wisdom, he says he graciously pours it out on, on, on us and our, um, and our thoughts and understanding our children. Um, before I got pregnant with Ella, I was in the laundry room just doing the mundane thing of laundry. And God gave me a picture of Ella that she would be a free-spirited, almost hippie type girl with long crazy hair and God said she would love people and see them the way that I see them not tainted by the world and just having that understanding of her personality from God it's like when we take walks that this girl knows no stranger We're taking walks and we have had a lot of new neighbors that have moved in and a lot of them are from India and she doesn't see them the way that you know adults see them she runs up to the driveway gives them hugs and loves them and to me it's like God loves them. Just like he would love us, but she, she sees people the way that God sees them. And I only got that revelation through the Holy Spirit. And so instead of trying to, like, hold her in or be like, don't talk to strangers, you know, it's like because I've understood the way God has, like, created her, I can parent her differently through his wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, gosh, they, they're fun. Um,
0: so, um, first of all, if you take a look at the picture... Um, I'm not wearing sock, socks on mulch. That's never a good idea. So that was a regret. But also, um, if you do look at that picture, my, my happiness looking towards Zeke, truthfully, was not always that way. You know, I, with Gideon, I totally understood Gideon because he was a boy. With Ella, I just was so happy to have a little girl. And then we had Zeke, and I straight up thought he was an alien. He was so different. Like you, um, you know, when you have, when you have like, having kids is kind of like golf. Like you hit a good shot and you're like, let's have another one. And then you eventually hit a really bad shot and you're like, what do we, how how do we handle this? It's like rolling the dice every single time. You really don't know what you're going to get. Doesn't matter how much you pray. And that was Zeke for me. Like, I understood Gideon and Ella, and then we had Zeke, Zeke, and he was a different animal. Couldn't understand him. Couldn't get him. I wanted to literally, like, give him to Allison for, like, four years and be like, I'll talk to you in four years. I'll introduce myself to you in four years. I'm your dad. Let's get to know each other. Because the first interactions, I just could not understand him. Now, I love that kid so much. But let me tell you one of the hinging points for me. It was in the middle of the night, and Alice and I had been going back and forth, and by the way, let me just say this, that everything that is talked about in parenting applies to grandparenting, okay. and so it can apply right to where you are, even if you have kids out of the house, and if you don't have kids and you're young, you should probably listen <laughs> to some of the people that are right in the middle of it, and so this hit can hit everyone wherever you are, and so... I remember it was in the middle of the night and Allison and I had been rotating back and forth with, uh, you know, feeding Zeke and trying to rock him back to sleep because Zeke had a lot of trouble sleeping through the night. More than Ella and Gideon. And that was part of a problem. We're like, hey, these kids sleep through the night. Let's have another one. And then Zeke comes and you're like, Lord Jesus, like this kid will not sleep. So it was one of those nights. And I was rocking him. To be honest, I was at my wits end. I didn't want to hold him. I wanted to leave the kid in the crib and say, Jesus, take the wheel. I need to go back to sleep. And so I'm at, I'm feeling the parent obligation in the moment. I've dismissed the calling. And I'm in, I'm in sole parent obligation right now. It's you need to get to sleep. That requires me holding you. So I'm going to do my job. And I was frustrated and angry. And the Holy Spirit said, if you knew who he would become, your attitude would be different. And it jacked me up. (laughs) Because we talked about it today. God sees the end before the beginning. Knows them more inside and out than we will ever know them. And he can give us the insight on how we are to steward our role as parents. So it's so important. And with that
1: being said, here's the thing. God handpicked you to be the parent of your children. He didn't give me your kids and he didn't place my kids in your household. For whatever reason, and we may never understand, but God gave you your kids to be in your household. I was like, why can't I have those sweet, like, passive kids that are so, like, easygoing? No, I have three strong-willed, stubborn-headed children. And whatever reason, I'm like, God, why do you think I can handle this? (laughs) Right? But God knew for whatever reason. He handpicked you to be the parent of your children. The the moment that you discover that you're pregnant or that you're going to have a child, God began to equip you for this calling. We've heard it said that God doesn't equip the call. No, he doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Meaning that he didn't call, he doesn't equip you to be parent. He did not call the equipped to be parents. He equips the parents who choose to respond to the call. That's a lot of words. Meaning like, and it's like there's never the perfect time to get pregnant. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have a big enough house. You'll never have the, the newest, nicest car to make them safe as you drive them to school. But at the minute that you respond to the call, God fully pours out his anointing to equip you. See, he called you to be the parents of your children. He wants you to be you. He doesn't want you to parent like your mother He doesn't want you to parent like your pastor's wife. He doesn't want you to parent like that preschool mom or that homeschool mom or that uh, stay-at-home mom. God knew your situation. He knew the kids that you were going to have, and he still gave them to you. He wants you to parent them the way that he created you. You are unique. Your children are unique. Be okay in that uniqueness. It It will not look like anybody else's. Your children need you to be you, not someone else. God can only anoint you, not a pretend version of you. See, you can't Pinterest what parenting should look like, as all of us moms are guilty of. Oh, what What does this look like? What does this look like? How do they do this? Get on your knees and ask God, what does this look like? Because he's going to give you what you need for your kids for that season, for that timing. It changes, I wish it was like easy, but it changes all the time as your kids grow, as you grow, as you change as parents, as you get in a deeper relationship with God, your understanding goes to a deeper, deep, a deep, a <laughs> d- 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 <laughs> good. All- it's so easy to be distracted by comparison. Yeah. See, we can look around at what everyone else is doing and not look at our kids and what God has for us to do. My whole goal today is for you to get fixed on your calling as a parent so that you're not distracted. You won't be distracted by comparisons if you're captured with the purpose of the calling that God has placed on you as parents for your kids. You're more than enough to be their parent. You're called, you're equipped, you're valuable if you're just a parent. We live in America where it's like you want to label yourself as like, oh, I'm this and this company, or I've done this and this, or I've graduated college with my bachelor's and my master's, and now I'm going on to my PhD, or whatever. We label our value as what we've accomplished, and nowhere in the Bible is that at all. Like, nowhere. Like, God did not establish jobs, and then... He, and then like parenting, he didn't even establish his church and ministry. He established family in the Garden of Eve, Eden with Adam and Eve. He, he gave Adam and Eve, and then he said, be fruitful and multiply, and that was it. Like there was no ministry. There was no church. There was no jobs. It was his calling, his heart for families. If you think about this, in, in the significance of history, I just think it's funny that Mary... This amazing woman that we all know and many people, you know, you know, put her up on a pedestal. But what is she known for? She's Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? That's what she's known for is her role in parenting and being the mother of God. In a world where everyone wants to be famous, significant, understand that we just need to be the parents that God has called us to be. The greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone that you raise. Amen. Think about who do you have in your own home? Do you have a Moses? Do you have a Joshua? Do you have a Caleb? Do you have a David? Do you have the, the next worship leader? Do you have the next preacher? Do you, I mean, not that our kids are, you know, valuable by what they do, but who do you have in your home that you're going to raise to pass on the torch for the kingdom of God?
0: So let's, l- let's look at an impact, um, you know, from Scripture uh, that falls in line with this. John chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 11. We're going to read a story of uh, Jesus healing a man that was born blind. And there's a lot of different insights that uh, Allison has just uh, really just heard from the Lord uh, in regards to parenting from this passage of Scripture. It's John chapter 9, verses, uh, verse 1. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. In verse 2, it says, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Verse 3, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by us, uh, by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told them, or he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back saying, I want you to understand the importance. Because Jesus, you know, always does you know, things for a reason. He could have just healed the man right there. But specifically, he directed the man to go wash his eyes in this pool of Siloam. And so it goes on to say in verse 8, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to just sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? In verse 11, he says, he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see.
1: So I was reading this one morning in my devotions, and all of a sudden, God started highlighting a ton of things that, ha- that related to parenting, and I had always just looked at this as like, the mud, and he put it on his face. I mean, that's how I remember the story. And then, like, the, just the words started to get highlighted, and God showed me amazing things. So let's start back at verse 2 and 3. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Was it not because of his sins or, his, or it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins? Jesus answered, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. See, what we have to understand as parents is sometimes the reason or the cause of situations that happen in our children's lives are not a byproduct of us as parents. We need to be set free from guilt, condemnation, heaviness that we could carry that everything that's happened to our children or that will happen to our children is a result of us. Nothing this man did or did not do, nothing his parents did or did not do, made him blind. It was God-ordained so that he could get the glory when he healed him. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And we talk about, like, you know, the, it's like this, this balance of, like, yes, we want to give our kids all of Jesus. But, yes, there's only so many things that we can control, right? And it's just in the way of, like, Holy Spirit giving us wisdom into situations. But, like, that for me just was, like, like a weight lifted, right? Yeah. Like, we can pray, we can seek God, we can ask him for the right things to do, but at the same time, there's going to be situations that happen to our children or will happen that are not a byproduct of what we did or did not do as parents. See, God is bigger than us, and he, in this situation, ordained it so that he could get the glory. So whatever situation your kids are facing right now, know that it's all for the glory of God. That whatever it is, the good, the bad, the ugly, in between, it's all going to be used for the glory of God. Verse 4 goes on to say, We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. And in that section, work means to minister about labor or produce. But why I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. See, God said, there is a season He was speaking to me specifically, but I think this is for all of us, that there is a season of training and reaching your children for God. See, he has given them to you for a season. Your kids will not be your kids forever. They're going to grow. They're going to mature. They're going to move out of your house. But for while you have them in your house, this is the time to train them in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go, and the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. Parenting is appointed, is an appointed time by God, and it has an end. So we must be purposeful with the time we have been given and make um, good use of the time that we have with our kids. In Deuteronomy 6 It goes into, like, what does this look like and how do we really train our kids? And I love it. It says, talk with them wherever you are, at home, in the morning, whether you're at the street. Talk to them from the time they get up in the morning to the time you fall into bed at night. Like, parenting is, what does it look like? It looks like 24-7, right? It's all day, every day. And those days can seem so long, but really the season that you have your kids in your home is so short there's this this quote that says, the days are long, but the years are short. Truly, life is a vapor, as Scripture says. And it's like, if we just are purposeful and we're mindful of the calling, but also knowing that, like, we only have them for a season, right? And then, like, they're going to be grown and, and moved out of the house and off with their, you know, what God has for them. But if we just stop in those long days and know it's not gonna last forever, it may help us to stay more mindful.
0: You know... I believe that one of the primary uh, attacks of the enemy on parents is the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation that you're not doing enough. And that's why that first point is so, is so valuable, is that there are times that God can use what has taken place to bring redemption to your children. And there, you know, that shame, guilt, and condemnation has to be lifted off of your shoulders because you know what happens is that will actually cause you to be so focused on it that you'll want to quit in the middle of, of doing it, and you can miss the calling and, and go into obligation mode when you feel, feel the heaviness of that. Um, the third point is really interesting. If we go back to verse 7, Jesus told the blind man, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means sense. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. The pool of Siloam was built in 715 B.C., and this was about 750 years before this miracle to, had taken place. It was built by King Hezekiah to bring fresh water into the city of Jerusalem, even if they were under attack, so that the people would always be nour- nourished. He also built the Pool of Siloam to prevent foreign armies from having access to water if they would attack Israel. The freshwater tunnel came from an upper spring in Gihon and flowed through a tunnel that was 1,777 feet long. The construction of the tunnel was vast and had a lot of turns and pathways and was built underground. Now, here's what's interesting. So King Hezekiah, he builds this tunnel. And this tunnel provides the water for this pool of Siloam that Jesus is use, uses 750 years later to bring healing to this blind man. But I want to tell you something. King Hezekiah was not from a godly family line. See, a lot of times we think that if our parents did not, did not send us or, or train us properly, that we're not equipped to change our family line. King Hezekiah's father was a wicked king. His mother's father was also a wicked king. We know of his mother, but we know no details as to whether or not his mother trained him in the ways of the Lord. So we can really say for Hezekiah that in his time, he was almost like a first-generation Christian. And so it does not matter what you came from because God can change the direction of your family line. So here's Hezekiah, and he's in this position. Now, I want you to see something. So Hezekiah is here. He's a, like a first-generation follower of God, and maybe you're here today, and you're the first in your family that's trying to live for the Lord. Maybe you grew up in church, but you, you know from your rearing that your parents were not as intentional as you are trying to be in, in training your children in the ways of the Lord. I want to encourage you to be a Hezekiah. Listen. Seek the Lord for wisdom on how to lead your life and how to parent your children. Because as you do, your children can become like Hezekiah's stream. I want you to see this picture. Your children can become like Hezekiah's stream. You have no idea how God is going to impact generations and people that you may never see because of the spiritual deposits you make in your children like when Hezekiah chose to bring that stream into Jerusalem. He did not know in the moment that 750 years later, Jesus was going to use the the pool to heal a blind man. And so right now, be mindful of the reality that your children have the potential to become like Hezekiah's stream. And there may be people that are affected and impacted generations from now that you will never see. But they were touched because of the spiritual deposit you're making your kids right now. This is the power. A blind man was healed 750 years later because he could wash his eyes in a pool that Hezekiah created merely To bring water into Jerusalem. The point is this. Is that we don't know what future thing our children will do. That Jesus will use. To be a miracle for someone else. Because of what we are investing in our children right now. We are digging deep wells of life into our children. We are helping shape waterways in their hearts in which the Holy Spirit can flow through them and be used by them. We are creating vessels in which miracles are going to flow through them. We may not see it. It may be years and years after we are gone, but don't lose sight of what is possible by giving Jesus to your children. We do not always see what God is going to do when we're praying in secret, and we also may not see it when they're being knuckleheads. But the truth is, is that God is going to do a work in our children and we get to be a part of digging the tunnels in their lives. Can I say something? If God can use this man who did not come from a godly family to impact history, even down to Jesus using his pool he created to heal a blind man, how much more? can God use your children to impact generations that you may never see for His glory and His purposes because you're seeking Him and desiring that your parenting be led by His Spirit? How much more can your children become like Hezekiah's streams that affect generations to come that you may never see and bring glory and honor to Him by you seeking the Lord and asking wisdom for wisdom in your parenting?
1: As I was researching how they built the tunnel, they actually built it up from a stream up in the mountain and then they built it underground so that it was fortified and it was a secret tunnel. So when they were, when Israel was surrounded, the enemy didn't know where to cut off their supply because it was up in the mountain and it was dug like underground and they had to do explosions. They had to do things deep, 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 deep down underground to get that water weight to go through and like when I got that revelation that the reason I have to parent and discipline my kid is to clear out that waterway for the Holy Spirit to run through, all of a sudden those temper tantrums take on a whole new meaning, right? Like I have to deal with your disobedience so that when God calls you to do something, it's not plugged up with crap, right? Like when I'm like, For the 17th time, I tell you not to touch that, and you do it again. It's like, no, you got a greater calling on your life. I'm not going to just settle with your disobedience because God has something great for you. And all of a sudden, like, I see the bigger purpose for why in those moments when I'm weary and don't want to get off the couch and spank your butt again, that I have to get up off the couch and spank your butt again because God has something great for my kids. And I got to get that tunnel that's deep, deep down in their hearts, that rottenness. The heart is deceivingly wicked, right? I mean, the Bible tells us that. It's our job as parents to just keep pushing it out and flushing it out, right? But we only have a season and a time to do that, right? That goes back to, like, why we're here, why it is yet light. We have to work. (laughs) Woo! If you go to verse 7, it talks about that God sent him to the pool of Siloam. And as Pastor Caleb said, saloon means sent. Here's the other thing about our kids is we have to slowly start releasing them to be sent. Because God cannot use them if they are stuck in your house, if they're stuck holding your hands. See, God created your kids for a purpose. It says like like arrows in the hands of a warrior are your children. Warrior, or Arrows are meant to be launched back and shot out. Our kids have to be sent so that they can be miracle Um, holders for future generations but if we don't if we keep them close because of fear of interpretation of situations that we feel are our fault so we need to foster and, and cradle them they'll never be used to their full potential so we have to slowly Hannah dedicated Samuel back to the Lord she took him to the temple and said Lord use him however you want him to be used we cannot hold our children back because of fear Remember verses 2 and 3 that everything that happens to our children is for the glory of God. Let's not be distracted or led astray from God for what God has gifted us to do. Let us be refocused and recaptured with purpose today. It's like when you understand the why. Why are we parenting? Why did God give us these kids? Why me? You know, it's like it begins to take a whole new light for how um, to parent and just the, the energy and the strength to do it. I like to think of parenting and this lasting impact as, like, a ripple effect. Um, And a ripple effect is a, the definition is an indirect effect that spreads out of a direct effect to reach areas or populations far removed from its intended or original purpose or target. So let me just give a very natural kind of example, and then we'll move into maybe a little bit more spiritual, but... um, my papi, my papi, he loves family vacations, loves family vacations. So I called him the other day, and I was like, did you have family vacations when, when you were little? And they said no, like they grew up um, like on a farm, kind of poor. But what they did do is they would once a year have a family reunion, and everyone would come together. And he said they love that. They look forward to that all year long. So he saw something little that he loves, and he said, I'm going to take this and make it our own. What do we want it to look like? Well, they love family vacations, and they would do family vacations with their kids. And then as their kids got married and had kids, they would do family vacations with everyone. And then we would have kids. And so anyways, the point is, like, when we have family vacations, it's huge. And the effect of them loving family vacations was that they imparted that into my mom and dad. And so mom and dad then did family vacations when we were little, and we loved family vacations. And then they saw how we loved it as little grandkids. So now they take our kids, their grandkids, on family vacations, and they love it. And now Gideon has picked up on the love of family vacations and talks about family vacations and family trips. And because of their heart to love family vacations, it has, like, rippled. Right? It's, It's passed on. It's passed on. They didn't have it fully what they wanted it to be, but they took an idea, right, and they made it what, what, they, what it could be. And the same is true, like Pastor Kale was talking about. If you didn't grow up in a Christian home, but you see something that you love, you know, that a godly family does, grab onto that concept and, and take off with it. One small change can have an enormous impact. That's why I talk about the ripple effect. It's like one small drop in the water has ripples far beyond what it's even its intended purpose. So it's far removed from its intended purpose or target. There's a saying that I love that says, more is caught than taught. Meaning, you can tell your kids not to scream all day, but if they see you scream all day, guess what they're going to do? They're going to catch on to your screaming. And I say that because obviously God's working and... (laughs) I said, we're in this together, folks. We're in this together. Um, but it's so funny because sometimes when Zeke whines, Caleb will say, go somewhere. And whine, you know, we don't want to hear it. Well, she was getting sassy the other day when Caleb was disciplining her. And she looked at him and said, go somewhere. <laughs> and I just like, no one had to teach her that, right? She caught on to that because his, her dad says that all the time to Zeke when he's whining. Go somewhere. Nobody wants to hear you. And she said, go somewhere. Go <laughs> somewhere. Oh, I had to leave the room and laugh. I was like, "That's on you!" <laughs> and so, anyways, I say that like if you, if you look at uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was from a Levitical family. her Her uncle was a high priest. And we don't know how exactly, like, she was parented or how she was trained, but you can just assume that she grew up in a culture in her family that loved the Lord, that followed the, the um, yeah, the Levitical, what is it called? Commandments, the the laws. Thank you. Yeah, the laws. Um, and so she, we don't know that she was necessarily taught the laws, but she saw them being modeled in her household. She saw them going um, back and forth to the temple when it was his time to take sacrifices and to take the law serious. And so when the Lord came to her, the angel came to her, she knew what it looked like to be obedient to God, right? She had fall, She had seen because it says it's time to go make your sacrifice. It's time to go to um, make your offering at the high temple. So when the angel came and said, hey, you're going to be, you know, carrying the, whole, the Lord, she said, let it be unto me as you have said. She understood what it looked like to be obedient because she caught it, right? And so in our houses, more is caught than taught. And just, I love that phrase because it's, it's so good. So think of a bullseye. Like we as parents, we are the dot. We're like the core, right? Whatever we teach are the values, the truth, the characteristics. The Jesus that we get to share with our kids is the core. And our children are the ring, you know as we slowly start to release them as they go to school as they ride the bus as they are on the soccer field with their with their friends you know they are starting to impact their circle you know but what you've imparted in them is now expanding to their friends you know when their friend gets hurt and they're like oh let me pray for you you know like they they've gotten that from you and as your kids grow as they become older as they get married, as they have kids, as they get jobs, they're like the next ring in that bullseye. What you've imp- imparted in the small is now rippling out, right? They're now going to be teaching it to their children. They're, the values of who they are and what you've given them are going to come out and work as they make good choices and do the right things. And, and then the next thing are the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. I mean, um, Hezekiah had no idea 750 years later that his pool was going to house a miracle, right? Like, you don't know what miracle your kids are going to be housing or what they're going to impart. The greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. It's it's so exciting, so empowering, and yet so all, like, overwhelming, right? So today, if you are a parent... We just want to impart more Holy Spirit to you, more strength, more wisdom, that um, you can do this and you can do it well because you have Jesus on your side. And so if you are a, a parent that has kids still living in your house, we would like to invite you forward and we're just going to pray over over you.
0: You know, um, so if you have young kids or, or kids still in the house, we just want to pray over you. Just come forward. You know, one of the things that I want to encourage you with is that when God instituted this, this new way of living with Abraham, it went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to David to Jesus to you. I think we have to understand is that when, when God started this family of God with Abraham, he also had you and your children in mind.
1: One of the things as we were preaching, I just really felt like God wants to relieve a spirit of heaviness that if something has happened to your kids in a situation that you feel like it's your fault or that you have to fix it, I just, I feel like God really just wants you to be released today that whatever the situation is, he's going to use it for his glory and he's going to bring healing in that situation.